Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Heath and Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you've found us, make sure that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider, whether it is iTunes, whether it's Google Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Pocket Cast, CastBox, or any of the others. We actually just got added to TuneIn, so you can check us out there as well. Also, check out the other 14 podcasts in our network, Miami Heat Beat. We'll be posting tomorrow, three yards per carry with our usual two episodes and also a special episode of The Fish Tank, which was a live podcast that they did with Mark Clayton over at Ella Cafe in Plantation. Uh, we were both there, Chris and I. Uh, it's great stuff. Clayton did not hold back. So you're definitely going to want to check that out. The easiest way to find all of them is just type in five reason sports to your favorite podcast provider and they will all come up together. All right. One of the other hosts. On our network is Craig Mish. He started his podcast, Swings and Mishes, I guess about three months back. And we've done a little bit of Marlins here on the pod. We had him on an episode before he joined the network. But today, what we want to do with Craig as a guest is get to the latest Marlins news. And Craig will be covering the baseball winter meetings for us out in Las Vegas. Obviously has the latest on the Marlins all of the time. And so, Craig, let's just start here. I mean, we're not going to waste a ton of time. Let's get to it. What is the latest, as you understand it, on the JT Real Muto situation? Hey, guys, thanks for having me. And yeah, it's it's, you know, back to the winter meetings and back to the offseason. And really the biggest story that we'll be following throughout this. And I'm not really sure how long it will take, but it will be basically the status of where the Marlins are with JT Real Muto. And as I tweeted earlier, they did, in fact, offer him a contract extension of four years, $43 million, according to my sources, which was declined. And then they uh, upped that to five years and $60 million, at, which was obviously declined also. So that's kind of where things stand. And that's been now reported by me for the first time. And it is interesting because it does kind of give you the barometer as to where the Marlins felt that. Uh, that he should be paid based on him having still two years of control. They're essentially initially wanted to buy him out of two of those years. And then it was three. So uh, people are certainly going to form their opinions on this as they should. And now guys will just kind of have to see what happens from there. I would assume at this point, based on those two offers that, that people will realize just why the likelihood of real Muto being traded, I think is, is close to a hundred percent. Wouldn't that be comically underpaying him? The first offer is, is I would characterize as comical. The second offer I would characterize as no good, probably. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about comical. I mean, comical is the first offer. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, why would, why would he do that? I mean, that's putting him in range and that's no disrespect to any other catcher, but he'd be severely less paid than guys like Russell Martin. Um, I think it's kind of on par with maybe Francisco Cervelli, Chris. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's just no way that they were going to accept either of those deals. So, you know, we'll we'll have to kind of dive in more and, and get more Marlins response than what we've gotten. 
very, very unlikely that teams are going to make comments about contracts, uh, either saying yes or saying no in terms of confirmations. But this obviously comes directly from me. So short story is, yeah, there's just no possible way that he was going to sign either of those two deals. But I wouldn't characterize the second one as comical. But yes, the first one was just like, I don't even know why you even send that first one. Yeah. All right. So you can. So, so can you help me with with two things here? First, JT Romuto is the blank best catcher in baseball. And even understand that he has two years of arbitration and that affects the math. If he was an open market free agent right now, what do you think that contract would look like? It would be a minimum of five years and a hundred million. I mean, that's that's where he would start with about twenty million uh, average salary. And if it's a little bit less than that, Chris, then you're looking at like sixteen, seventeen million, and, and probably twenty would be would be the fair amount. Like that's kind of where you start with. There's been discussion in terms of uh, you know the agent for JT is Jeff Berry, who negotiated Buster Posey's uh, contract, but Buster Posey had four years of arbitration that they bought out of at that time. Needless to say. Uh, for me, he is the best catcher in baseball. Uh, Posey is uh, is hurt right now, and and hypothetically, he could end up missing some of the season. I'm I'm sure at some point Posey will play first base for the Giants. And then the other question is, do you put right now just for one year? Would you put JT above Yadier Molina, who's going to I think be a Hall of Famer? But beyond that, uh, based on everything, he is above Gary Sanchez. He is above Wilson Contreras. And so, to me, he is the best catcher in Major League Baseball, Chris, right now. Wow. And and so, I mean, again, just to put this in some statistical context, uh, as you say that, I mean, you're talking about a guy whose slugging percentage has gone up every year to the point that it was 484 this past year. So his OPS, uh, correspondingly, has also gone up, coming off a career high. He's averaged about 130 games over the past four seasons, which makes him a, a very durable catcher and then the regular counting stats if you're just looking at home runs rbis both career highs 21 and 74 uh, doesn't strike out a ton over 100 but not not a ton and obviously he can handle the pitching staff and he's a good defensive catcher and hit 277 so i, I think you can make a reasonable argument as an all-around catcher who's 27 years old that he is the best in baseball so I, again i know you're trying to get more detail on exactly what went into the thought process from the Marlins on that first offer. But I think what fans are going to read into this is that they made an offer for the sake of making an offer, right? To say that they made an offer. And and I think some of that distrust goes back to the previous administration because the Marlins used to do that a lot, uh, make an offer that you knew would be refused. Do you think there is any incentive for the Jeter group to do that at this stage. In other words, just to say, okay, we, we tried um, when any thinking baseball fan is going to say, well, you really didn't try very hard. Yeah. I, I think with the first offer, the initial one, which I'm told was back in July, I think that you're accurate there and, and I can't see it any other way than that. But is that really even trying at that point with that first one? Uh, the second deal of, of 60 million, still the AAV, the average annual uh, salary is still very low at that point in terms of real Muto, I think if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, you know, look, I don't know that they, that they really felt that they had a shot. There, there's going to be perception certainly that that's the best that they could do. Um, I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I, I guess Ethan, everyone will have their own opinion of this, but it is certainly that first offer of, of 43 million for four years does side on the, on the sense of, of why. You know, why even why even can go that route to have this potentially come out this way? Uh, but look, right now, as far as what I'm told, there's no active discussions in terms of an extension. 
I think that fans now are going to have to wait to see the return. And, and, I'll, and I'll say this about the Marlins. I think that over the last year and a half, a lot of the criticism uh, of them tearing down and everything was a little bit unfair. You see the Mariners doing exactly the same thing right now, and there's almost like no outcry for that. But just because the Marlins have had that done for many years, there's been a ton. The judgment for the Marlins on the field in terms of the product begins once they trade JT. That's the final piece. And look, a lot of people are going to say, oh, the Yelich trade was terrible and the Ozuna trade didn't work out. And what did they get for Stanton? And these are just uneducated comments, but they're fair from the outside looking in because nobody really knows. And, and I'm not really one to judge so quickly. But after they do this, then we're talking about a full tear down of every player that they had. They're all gone. And the judgment does begin at that point because now there is nothing left. It is all the prospects that they've gotten. It is all the perceived pieces that they had to trade to get players back in return. So I, for one, will do a lot less of holding back starting now because I feel like they've had their full year. They've had the chance to trade their players. They've had uh, somewhat of a chance, at least in year one, to start developing some players. They've drafted now their own players, too. And to say that we still need to give it four or five years, maybe that's to win a championship. But to start evaluating the moves, that can start to begin now. Now, do you think that there is a, a way in which the Marlins can trade J.T. Ramuta, who just who you just described as one of the better catchers, if not the best catcher in baseball? Is there a return that they can get that educated baseball fans can make a convincing argument to the Marlins masses that really only come around to howl at how the organization is poorly run and is tanking and is an embarrassment to South Florida? Do you think that there's a return that they could get that would satisfy the broader, maybe I'm just ca sort of casually checking in on the Marlins fan? I don't think so because I because Christian Yelich won the MVP and it's going to be really hard to sell anyone on anything now, Chris. That's just the the world that we live in. We're in the what happened in the last ten minutes world, and in the last ten minutes they traded uh, you know Christian Yelich. He won the MVP, and we saw a player play at the major league level who was one of the cornerstones of the trade. Who doesn't look like he's going to end up being an All Star? At least at this point, has not you know, acted the part of a player that looks like he could be an all-star or a superstar. So I, I, I think it will be very difficult. Uh, I, I tend with the names that I hear in some of these deals to think that they are going to get a good return on him. Uh, they, they will need some other teams to kind of get in the fray and step up and make this a lot more competitive than it is right now. But the one thing that I do know is that the Marlins are taking their time with this. I don't think anything is imminent. And this could drag even longer until the Marlins get exactly what they want in return for this player. Does it hurt at all that we've seen over the past, I guess, week or so, uh, a lot of catcher movement in Major League Baseball? Are there teams that you thought might be involved that now there's no chance of them being involved? Not at all. I think that we're still exactly where we were previously. I don't think anything has happened that would change anything. He's still arguably the best or second best catcher in the game. You're getting still a very young player who has two years of control. Uh, I, I even do not think that anything that has happened thus far affects any, any, any movement whatsoever. And hearing these, uh, by the way, these names that are out there and that are moving around and signing, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's ludicrous to think that, that that would affect a player of this magnitude. One other thing on that real quick. Um, it, you know, one of the issues with Yelich, and, and you've touched on this a little bit, was that he didn't really want to be here, right? Like that that played into the decision to move him. Now, I know with JT, I, I've kind of heard it a little bit both ways do you think if they had made a more competitive offer even the second offer you know that that they made 
that he's someone who would actually want to stick this thing out and be the face of the franchise. I don't think so, no. I think that there comes a point where, as a player, you look at the timeline of a team's chance to win and your own personal timeline for your prime, which Real Muto is in right now, and you have to ask yourself if you're him within the next two years, because that's when he's under contract, is this team going to win? Is this team going to be a contender for the postseason? I can unequivocally say that is not going to happen in 2019. And I'm not sure about 2020. And then that's his walk year. So if you're the Marlins, would it even be smart to hold on to him to 2020 and then just let him walk to get a draft pick? That would be ridiculous. That's not going to happen. The other thing that you don't want to do, and that's, listen, the Orioles ended up doing okay with Manny Machado, certainly, but they could have traded Manny Machado two years ago or even three years ago if they thought that this was going to be the result. And by the way, most people feel like they did get a decent return, even though they did it at the trade deadline. Uh, in his walk year. Certainly the Marlins can choose to go that route if they want to. They can trade him at the deadline this year. They can hold on to him for another year as well. Uh, but you know, but the bottom line is that uh, I think that, that more than anything else, knowing this player, he wants to win. Uh, that, and I know that in this day and age, you don't hear that a lot, and money is going to drive the bus. The, you know, the agent, obviously, is going to try and get as much money as he can for his client, but this is a player uh, like the other players here, and people don't think about this, uh, who went through a tragedy with Jose Fernandez, who went through a lot of clown shows with the previous ownership. And there just there comes a time where you have to look at and say, man, I've just been through so much. Everybody that I've had around me is gone. I want to win some games. I want to see what it's like to be Christian Yelich or be Stanton or, or be some of these other players. We're playing in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and I. And, and, and there's no guarantee of that happening. But you know what? When Christian Yelich was traded to Milwaukee last year, and I reported that before that happened, too. People said to, oh, well, Christian, well, he'll, he's going to get what he deserves. Uh, he complained, we'll send you to Milwaukee. Well, he won the MVP. Look at the season <laughs> Milwaukee had. And by the way, for all these people who were saying about Real Muto in terms of the numbers, and I think they're all fair comments, that guys like Gary Sanchez and uh, Yasmani Grandal, there are players out there who numbers are similar. You cannot tell me that a move to another ballpark is not going to put Real Muto's numbers through the roof wherever mm, he goes true. next. Maybe not San Francisco. But, you know, most parks in the country that he goes to, his numbers are going to be, I think, better than what they are at Marlins Park. If Yelich is any kind of indication, that's going to happen, too. That's something that I think is getting lost and no one seems to be mentioning. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is AutoNation, which is America's largest automotive retailer. So the chances are they have the vehicle that you're looking for. Shop from over 100,000 new cars, trucks, vans, and sport utilities. So from the luxury of Mercedes-Benz to that Chevy pickup truck that you've always wanted, they've got it. AutoNation helps finance over 430,000 people every single year. And you could be next. Get a great rate today. AutoNation strives to make the car buying process quick and easy, but most of all, make it stress-free. In addition to an extensive selection, all pre-owned vehicles from AutoNation go through a rigorous 125-point inspection. I wish we did that with all our podcasters. And come with an everyday low, no-haggle price. One price, no pressure, guaranteed. Start your search right now at AutoNation.com. Now, one of the things that I find curious going forward is that Derek Jeter was meant to bring a certain baseball credibility that uh, when he sort of enters the room in either free agent negotiations or in dealing with players that he was going to have a positive impact on 
players and have a positive impression and make this an attractive destination. Now, you kind of have seen a lot of players. Now, some of this is lower baggage, but some of it is also this tanking strategy that uh, you, you mentioned how Yelich and Stanton have sort of taken this sort of uh, Andy Dufresne crawling through the river of to get out of Shawshank, and now they look like free men on the other side of it. Do you think that the Marlins, they've kind of always been an unattractive destination because of their previous ownership. Do you think that what they're doing now makes them unattractive in a broader sense? I don't think that any player right now, Chris, would would want to sign a one-year contract with the Marlins unless that they want personal gain from it, meaning rehabilitating their own offensive or defensive skills to inevitably get a two or three year deal from from other teams I don't think there's any question that any player that goes here now knows they're not going to win this season but I wouldn't preclude the future from this being a good destination when the Marlins are prepared to win in two or three years that they would have trouble signing players I mean money drives the bus I mean we just saw Chris Carlos Santana of the Philadelphia Phillies he had his choice of other teams to sign with, and he ended up signing a long-term deal with the Phillies, got paid very well. What did they do earlier today? They shipped him to Seattle, to a team that has no interest in winning. So the money talks, and, and when the Marlins are in position to spend, given that they are making the assumption that they will in two years or three years or whatever that is, I don't see any of the past being a hindrance of the future. But when you look at players who are out there on the market, and so many will be talked about, a good example would be, for example, uh, Carlos Gonzalez of the Colorado Rockies. I have no interest or no information that he's a player that the Marlins are targeting or going to sign, just to put that out there. But this is a player that if he went to Miami and if he recaptured the the offensive skills that he had three years ago, could gain some credibility on the free agent market after the season and end up signing a two or three year contract and getting 20 million or 30 million. But he's the kind of player that needs to come here to rebuild his value. And those are the kind of players that the Marlins are going to target for 2019 stopgap type players, mercenary type pitchers that are trying to rebuild themselves back up. Inevitably who the Marlins can trade in July. Well, what's, what's interesting about that is it's kind of what the heat were trying to do. Um, originally right Chris in 2016 they brought in all these guys who were looking to rehabilitate their images the problem is Pat Riley went and paid them four-year contracts after they did so I don't think the Marlins would would do that uh, one other point that you made here on the home road, road splits with Rimuto, Um, if you look at just last year last year 269 eight homers 29 RBIs at home 283 13 and 45 on the road so I mean you can already see that I mean what you mentioned with Carlos Gonzalez too course one of the reasons that his numbers looked the way they looked was you know he was playing in cores sure uh, part of that time so I, I don't know what they would look like here and I wonder actually for for hitters if that would be a deterrent right because I mean if, if you're coming here for one year to rebuild your image and you're playing in that park 81 times is that really what you want to do or would you rather go to a, you know again a play, one of the band boxes around major league baseball and and pad your numbers that way so i i know that general managers are smart enough to do the adjustment on that but still just in terms of the raw counting numbers uh, it doesn't play out great i want to get to some of the other things and then we'll circle back to jt at the end and kind of this show is sponsored by better help What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, 
How would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What you have planned this week. But just sure. looking at the rest of the moves... Uh, that they've made. I mean, Dietrich's not going to be back. There were some other sort of smaller scale moves. Um, obviously, the Mesa uh, brothers coming in, and I know that uh, one of them is actually going to be on our Cinco Rizones pod here in the next week. Um, what do you think overall of what they've done with the rest of the personnel this offseason so far as the winter meetings start? I, I still think that there's a heavy emphasis on development. The team it was funny. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but and this was something I thought that really caught my ear is the Marlins. Uh, they do a podcast on their own site, you know, on their on their MLB.com site or their. Marlins we don't listen site. to other podcasts. <laughs> they had it. They had it. Good point. But they well, I, I, I have to. OK, so they did, one, they did one two weeks ago uh, or maybe it was three weeks ago. And Derek Jeter, the, uh, the CEO of the Marlins, who, you know, who is very I would say calculated with the things that he says. Okay. Uh, he used the word and he wasn't referring to the Marlins, but he did come out of his mouth expansion team that came out of his mouth. I was surprised to hear that because that's kind of the way that I viewed this for the, for last year and this year, but we've always kind of been told, Hey, but you know, by, by Derek Jeter every day that you come to the park, you have a chance to win. People have asked him, do you think you could be competitive? That's the answer that he gives. And there's these kind of answers that you hear about analytics, how they're going to be used, and certain things that are mantras of the team. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have any issues. But to hear that, Chris, was like, okay, now we kind of see where we're at. And therein lies the problem is that when you are a pseudo build or rebuild, however you want to say it, and you're kind of an expansion team, so to speak, all of the news and all of the development is coming from the minor league level. There's very few players on the 25-man roster that you can envision being on a team that's going to be competitive in two or three years. And so that's the problem is that there's really not a lot of awareness of development of the minor league system. The Marlins have tried to do that, not just with their own promotion, but with the media as well. And I feel like they've done a fair job of that. But we still need a full another year of draft picks and a full another year of development of these young kids to even know where we're going to stand in a couple of years. And that's the really hard thing to be tangible with 
where it is bottom line. The Marlins are, as they said, just getting started. They're starting from ground zero, having the whole thing start all over again, both uh, on the field, in the community, and in promotions and marketing and everything else. Do you think that's an acceptable strategy? I don't know. They had to do it. I think we're going to, I was fine with what they did. I didn't have any issues with anything, uh, but I don't know if it's going to work, Chris. I have no idea, but ask the Mariners that right now. The Mariners are trading all of their players. They're, they've unloaded James Paxton and Segura and Edwin Diaz and Robinson. They've done the same thing that the Marlins did. So obviously they think it's viable. Obviously the Phillies thought it was viable and the Braves thought it was. So, but the answer is not that clear. You could be the Braves. You could be the Phillies. You could be Chris, the White Sox. Where are the White Sox right now? I mean, we're going on like year three or four of this. Are they eventually going to all of a sudden be good? I don't know. There's some people who think they may not. The Marlins could be the White Sox in three years. We could still be sitting and waiting or they could be the Braves or they could be the Phillies. Look, the Phillies and Braves have jumped right back into this. It hasn't been a long time since they were good. It's been a few years of losing 100 games. The Astros lost 100 games four years in a row. The Cubs lost 100 games three years in a row. People don't have patience here. They want to see a winner. The Marlins feel like this is a fast-tracked rebuild. I don't know that I see it that way. I don't think that this team in 2019, as of this moment, is better than last year's team. So then we're looking at 2020 for a potentially competitive team, and there would need to, a lot would have to happen for that to happen. Another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is BetDSI.com. We've been telling you about them for a few months. So why haven't you gone on there yet and entered the promo code REASON101? When you lose as much as I do and as much as Chris does, it <laughs> helps to have a promo code that matches your money on your initial deposit up to $2,500. We've got football. We've got basketball. We've got hockey. You, we just had boxing with Wilder Fury. You could have bet on that. You would have been very angry about it probably at the end. But what are you looking at this week, Chris? And don't tell me that you're picking the Dolphins. Don't let me in, by the way, with your losing. Because on Sunday, I had a three-team Premier League parlay and yeah. had the Arizona Cardinals money line as double-digit underdogs. I bet them on the money line. So don't let me in with the losing. Two things I'm looking at this week on BetDSI. Number one, love the Dolphins. It sounds ridiculous, but you know what? Sometimes football is going to football. And as we know, the Dolphins are above 500 at home against Belichick and Brady in the last 17 years. They're 9-8 and eight in the last 17 years. They're 7.5-point dogs at home, plus 315 on the money line. I am all over it this week, parlaying it with the Chiefs as well. Love the Chiefs at home by 7 against the Ravens. And as, as for our Heat fans, by the way, one thing you can bet on, now the Heat have generally not been a good team to wager on. One thing I kind of like right now, now, the Southeast Division is a tire fire. The Charlotte Hornets lead the Southeast Division. They're plus 160. But if you think the Heat are going to turn it around this year, they're plus 275 to win the division. Might not be bad to toss a couple of bucks on. So, again, BetDSI.com. Use the promo code REASON101. I feel like they're trying to make it up a little bit on the marketing end. So because you were not on the podcast that we did here on the flagship, um, I want to actually, actually neither of you were. So I want to open it to both of you. We had uh, six people total. I tried to sort of get a, a you know representation of different communities. So we had Alphonse Sidney from Light Skinned Opinions, Miami Heat Beat. He's also uh, Haitian. And so he comes from that perspective. We had three guys, all of whom have Venezuelan background uh, from Cinco de Zonas. And then we had Andre Fernandez, who has Cuban background. Uh, from the athletic on also and it was pretty split guys in terms of how they felt about the market the marlins marketing strategy in fact even the guys from cinco like it was not monolithic like uh ricardo felt it's a bad strategy um you know leandro felt it's a good strategy alejandro seemed to be somewhere in between 
Are you concerned at all, Craig? I mean, as someone who is not does not have Latin background, like I don't, Chris does to a certain degree. Uh, are you concerned about the approach that they've taken there? That they've they've sort of been too narrow in their marketing approach so far. Uh, to, I, I guess to be determined, I, I can't really see. I, I was willing to to take 2018 as a complete wash. Like I, I just didn't think that they had enough time to really put their stamp on anything. So it would be really unfair for me to judge that until I see the product in 2019 in terms of the marketing and the strategy. I, I, I think that they have done a better job on social media. I think they've created more of an awareness. I think that the reveal of the logos and the jerseys, however you feel the end result was, I feel like they did a good job leading up to that point. But still, I, I think I'm not in the, in the phase of being able to judge a strategy until, and, and I know that we're in the business of judging strategy as it goes on, because that's kind of what we do. It's Hot Take City. But for me, I, I can't really say, because I don't know what the end result is going to be. Uh, I personally, and, and have conveyed this to them, Look, I grew up in uh, North Miami. I went to North Miami High School. I've been a resident in Dade County. I was for a long time before I went to college and then came back. And then when I moved to Broward, okay? So, so that being said, I'm a big fan of Dade County, but at the same time, I have conveyed to them that Broward County, I mean, to me, it, I, I thought that that's where the stadium should have been. I thought that they would get this niche group of people from Broward that would always show up no matter what, unlike Dade, where they have not. Uh, so I hope that that's a part of what they're doing also is not just uh, serving Dade and just serving the surrounding area in Dade. But I think, Ethan, inevitably what they're hoping is that by the time that they're good, all of Dade will rally around them. But as we know, in South Florida sports, if you don't win, <laughs> people just don't go. And that's that's the that's the everything at this point, I think is fair to say. So T TBD on that answer for me. Yeah, it, to, to me, it's curious because I think you look at what the Braves did in moving to Cobb County and how they kind of became the more suburban team. But even in year one of that stadium, it, it was not totally full every night. Like, I, I think that teams and, and frankly, the Marlins' previous ownership, the one good thing that they did was build a stadium when it felt like the the sort of mood of the city and, and everyone was against them and it got a mayor recalled uh, was, you know, a, accomplishing that. I think everyone wants to find a panacea for reaching Miami baseball fans and for, frankly, reaching Miami sports fans when I think the Heat are the example of it takes everything. It takes winning. It takes being cool. It takes having a fun place to be. It takes all those different things so that even when you aren't winning, like the Heat, okay, they're not selling out every night, but Ethan, you and I have noted that the upper deck is still pretty full and people are still pretty in on the Heat and, and, and wanting to learn more about them even as uh, they're a team that's below 500 at the moment. I, I think it takes everything. And so, I do. I, I have always said to me, the World Baseball Classic being here the last time it was here was such an eye opening experience for me because it really sort of showed that there is that passion for baseball in this area. And I've long argued before that there are uh, baseball Hispanics and there are soccer Hispanics and that I think a lot of people just view Hispanic as one broad swath of people. And I think that this area is actually probably I would say 50-50 between uh, baseball Hispanic, obviously because of the Cuban population, that might tilt the other way, uh, but there there is a lot of baseball Hispanic-oriented people that live here that I just don't feel like the Marlins have ever reached. They have a lot of work to do to reach those people and turn them into customers, um, but I, I, I've always kind of been under the impression that if they wanted to build that kind of team, Miami-Dade could serve as the bedrock for it. 
I just don't know uh, with a team that's going to be losing 100 games if that's really a sound strategy because you, you talk about it being in Broward and it being the place that maybe could sustain those diehards. Like, I think the Panthers was sort of going to be that idea. They put it in the middle of the Everglades, and there are some nights where it looks pretty awful in that arena. So if you are a consistent loser, I don't think there's any strategy that, that is going to help. But winning married with some of these other ideas, I think absolutely could work. This is the Five Reason Sports Network, Miami Sports On Demand. We now have 15 podcasts in the network covering every professional sports team in South Florida and much more, all absolutely free. Find all of our shows on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Podbean. If you just can't get enough, become a member of our patron feed and you'll get even more exclusive content. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear on the upcoming episode of our newest show, The Chamber Podcast. We're now joined by Dr. Peter Marciante. There's a local sports team down here hampered by injuries right now. If a team is ravaged by injuries, how much do you put of that into the training staff and the physical therapist? Unfortunately, I put a lot on it. Now what they've done is they've they've blocked out all external doctors to have total control, and I'm not sure it's working that well. But there needs to be a little bit more freedom, and guys need to be also take charge in, in their own health care. They can't just go to a team who's trying to manage 100 players. If you're interested in advertising your business on any of our podcasts, reach out to us at number 5 Reason Sports on Twitter. To stay up to date with all of our shows, enter 5 Reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe. I think that I think that the Panthers point is is definitely well taken. Uh, but at the same time, the Panthers have at least and that's and I think that that's what the previous regime here with the Marlins did is that did they really the question that people always wonder, did they really show effort once they moved into the new stadium, Chris, that they wanted to win? Like, did they really put that effort forth once? I mean, the they put it together for six months. <laughs> that was it. Right. Wasn't that it? Yeah. For seven years. That was pretty much it. Give them credit in the old park, okay? They they signed Delgado and they signed uh, Pudge Rodriguez, and even though they dismantled some of it after 03, they still went out and signed players. They did. Traded they, for they, Paul Duca. They gave Hanley money, okay? So they, they tried to do it. The process was always flawed, but they tried to do it. But once they moved into the new ballpark and people felt that they were fleeced in some way with having to pay for it and the owner got over on, on Miami and all that, that to me was the death blow for the Marlins because here they are getting this new stadium and then the reward for getting the new stadium was showing Miami by getting all of these players and then trading them. And then since then right. it's been a complete and, and I, and disaster. I think, it's been and, nothing. And I think that ownership group as well thought that once they move into the new building, they'd sell out every night. And that once it wasn't a sellout every night in June as they were, I think they were at 10, like what, like three games over and the Ozzy Guillen thing had happened that because it wasn't a panacea in year one, that straight away it was good. We move into a building and the building's going to solve everything. Then they just kind of looked at all the metrics and went, well, we're, we're going to lose $40 million. So let's gut the team. And yeah. so I think everyone is looking for that microwaved solution when I think this is much more of a, it's a long process. It's got to take four and five years of building credibility first off, because right now I don't think the team has any credibility. And that for me was the missed opportunity with a new ownership group coming in. A multi-billionaire could have come in and said, yeah, I'll, I'll eat 50 million in losses every year and we'll spend a bunch money on players will try and win the world series and i don't think that the new ownership wanted to do that and so you're kind of still at ground zero and the other part of that guys is that you have to look at in the in the context of the total market right now and if an owner had done that and i'm not saying it's it was wise necessarily just based on the micro of the, the marlins but if you look at what's going on with the other teams 
there was an opportunity here. Now it's hard to know what's going to happen with all the other teams, but I mean, I was at, look, I was at hard rock stadium yesterday as you, as were you, Chris, that place was not full. Okay. Uh, heat games. You mentioned the upper bowl is full because those are the diehards and those are the cheaper tickets. The lower bowl has not been close to full lately. Uh, the Panther game, I wanted Ranger tickets for Saturday night. I went on and got them at half cost, okay, <laughs> online. All right, and that's the Rangers. I mean, that's the biggest draw in this market in terms of In hockey. December when a lot of people come just to hang out. From New York. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> they're coming They're coming from New York, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to get tickets for Saturday night, and I just went online, and I had five different sites, and I have them four, four rows from the glass, okay, for under 100 bucks. Uh, so, I mean, look, this is what we're dealing with in South Florida sports, and I just wonder – if maybe there's some regret here, I mean, would there be any Craig that, I no, mean, you're looking at it. No, a, no, no so, they wouldn't so. have won any. They were not winning with the guys that they had and nobody was attending the games anyway. So you may as well lose a hundred games with no attendance regardless. I, I don't think that what, what did they go down in attendance last year by 30%, 20%? What's the right. difference if no one's going anyway, the big word and it's the, and the most important word as it pertains in sports, I think for all teams is trust. And you trust every year that even though they fail, the Heat is going to try. Uh, you trust that the owner of the Dolphins is trying. Like, he is trying. He's spending money. The process maybe failed again, but they're trying. The Panthers, I think, are in that same category. The Marlins have not been. There has been no trust. You, you could not trust that what they were doing was in the best interest of making the team uh, a winner once they moved into this park. And so now this new ownership is up against it trying to say, hey, trust us come to our games. We're going to do this right. And and people are like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I got burned. Do I want to get burned again? And that's the hardest part that what this new ownership group is going through. And that will be the big hurdle that they'll have to climb before they get people back in that park. All right. So let's pivot back to where we were at the beginning and, and get back to JT, because this is, as you said, the bottoming out moment. I mean, this is the last piece. This is, again, like the stock market when, you know, you have a flush. OK. And it's like, all right, is this the bottom? And you would assume at this stage there's the bottom because there's just no sellers left at this point. And you're just hoping uh, that it can start to at least start to crawl up a little bit. So what do you have planned over the next few days? What, what can we expect on your podcast? OK, so on Tuesday's podcast on Swings and Mishes, we're going to have the agent for JT Romuto, Jeff Berry. He's going to join me on the podcast to kind of go through. Uh, the process as to what potentially uh, has happened or could happen. I'll pose the questions to him that I think that fans of the Marlins and fans of baseball would want answered. So hopefully we'll get as much as we possibly can from him. And then I'll be covering the winter meetings one week from Tuesday and Wednesday in Las Vegas. So anything that happens up until that point, I will cover as well. And then I would guess that as the week goes on, as I continue to dig and pry and ask questions, that there will be uh, more clarity. Uh, let's just put it that way, as far as uh, Real Muto is concerned. Uh, definitely respectful of all the other people who do the reporting on the Marlins and on this story, but there's there's a lot more. And, and as time goes on, we'll continue uh, on the podcast and, of course, me on Twitter and with five reasons, we'll continue to report on those. All right, and check out our, our Instagram account, too, because I'm turning it over to Craig when he's out there uh, in Las That's Vegas. That's exciting. That's that, exactly. I know. <laughs> I know for all of us uh, at five reasons sports. So make sure you check that out. Also check out our Spanish language pod. I should have mentioned that at the beginning because the guys from Cinco, uh, they're out there at a ton of Marlins games, uh, all three of those guys. So uh, they have a lot of views on it. They, they get irritated at other people in our network for not covering the Marlins enough. So 
uh, we, we do believe between Swings and Mishes, our pod, and Sink Arizona's that we have uh, the most diverse and complete Marlins coverage uh, in the market. So thanks to Craig for joining us. Make sure to check out his Twitter account too, at Craig Mish. Check us out at Five Reason Sports. We'll talk to you soon. We're going to have our next episode is uh, actually somebody that Craig and I are old enough to have watched a lot. Tim Hardaway joined us for Heat Stories. You want to check that out here this week. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Five Reason Podcast. Thank you so much. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.